<laughs> well, there you go. And, I, and on the, uh, what's that? Yeah, I, I'm never excited about putting in the installation, right? And the other, the other thing about the ceiling, you know, the original plan was we were going to take off all that roof in there. It was in the, in the sanctuary and open up to the, to the curved ceiling. And then we were going to spray foam that for insulation because there's no real, it's just wood and then metal. And, um, uh, but they're so pretty. Uh, if you've seen them, right, they're just beautiful. You know, all that wood there is just, and it, and it dates back nearly 100 years, right, to the 1930s. And so um, we're going to uh, pause on the, on the spray foam and see uh, if we can get, if the roofers would actually go out on the outside of the roof and put insulation first and then put uh, rubber roof on top of that. And um, don't know if they'll do that. Uh, you know, they're the experts, and so we'll see what they say. But um, um, if they can, then we'll get a quote from them to see how much it costs to do that. And the only problem with that is instead of just doing the sanctuary, which is what we're doing, we'd have to do the entire building, right? And so the building, I think, is, what, 8,000 feet long? I mean, it's a big old building, right? It's, uh, I know it's 60 feet wide, and I think it's 150 feet long because I think it was 120, and they added 30 more feet. Uh, back in the day, so uh, uh, I don't know whatever it is, but um, um, so they'll uh, they'll be here with us on Friday. We'll, we'll talk to them about it and get some uh, insight from them on that, and then we'll let you know, let you guys know. So, but you know, the other good thing is um, because they don't want to paint anything, they don't want to paint the ceiling, they don't want to paint the trusses. You know, they want to leave it all just. Uh, we'll save a lot of money on paint. <laughs> So it's a, it's all right, right? So you know, it's like, well, okay, well, then we won't spend the money on paint, you know, and so, uh, and so whatever we were going to spend on paint, whatever we're going to spend on, spend on spray foam, we can maybe put that towards the roof on the outside if that's a doable thing, right? So, um, so we'll see how it goes, right? All is well, and um, that's just the thing. We'll get it done when we get it done, and and of course, the people here with the business have been real gracious to let us use. Uh, I know it's our building, but uh, it's their business, right? And we don't want to interrupt their business, and and so we try to make sure that we're good, we're good uh, subtenants of uh, of their business here, and so we make sure everything's clean at the end of it, and we haven't uh, gone over there and take advantage of all the drinks there, and and uh, but if you do need an immunity boost, you can get run right over there, right? Or you can believe God, right? So it's, you can get it in a cup or get it out of the Bible, right? So um, and sometimes you get them out of both, right? So. Uh, in fact, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. Uh, he had um, uh, he'd hurt, I think, broke, no, pulled, tore his Achilles tendon, right? Uh, which is anytime you you tear your Achilles tendon, that's a big deal, right? Uh, and so he's had a bunch of surgeries, and it and just hasn't been doing well. And they, you know they've gone in there and they've had to scrape it, you know how that you know and they get that scar tissue on it, and and um, uh, and it's not healed as well as it should. And he and he's actually finally he's found another doctor and. They said the doctor is kind of a holistic doctor, uh, which just means that, that they, you know, look at the uh, kind of the whole package, not just surgery, but also your nutrition, what you eat, you know, and that, that type of thing. And so uh, he's been getting some really good success with that. And, of course, he's, he's a faith pastor. He believes in healing. Uh, and so uh, my, my, I told him my faith is with his faith, the, the full, uh, complete recovery. Amen. Uh, and so... so uh, um, uh, in fact, uh, uh, for Sunday, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about the resurrection. Of course, it's Easter. But I was at home today, and, uh, you know, usually on a, on a message like that, 
the Lord will start talking to me, you know, sometimes weeks or months ahead of the particular service there. Uh, but a question came up in my heart, you know, why did Jesus have to be resurrected? I thought, you know, that's a really good question. Anybody get the answer for that? <laughs> and so I told, I told the Lord, I said, well, uh, all right, then we're going to have to find the answer to that question. That's, I think it's a good question, right? So a lot of times, you know, the, the beginning of a message is a question, right? Why, why did the Lord have to be resurrected, right? Uh, and so, um, so that'll be a good... I'm looking forward to it because I've, the studying I've already done on it so far has been... Uh, I've enjoyed doing the studying on it. So, uh, And um, who knows how many hours you, you put on the, the studying for those things. But uh, for me, a lot of times, the studying is... The journey of studying is just as valuable as the end result because when you find out these things and you put a lot of things together, and a lot of times you go down paths that don't go anywhere... But that's good because you go that, okay, don't go down that path. That's not, that's not going to get us where we need to go. Uh, and so it's, uh, and that's one reason I enjoy studying. It's just, there's, there's so much revelation in the Word of God, so much insight about things that, you know, sometimes even we take for granted. So, uh, uh, nope, you can ask me after church. It'll be fine. Uh, and so uh, that's after church question, so. Um, all right, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for your great spirit that dwells on the inside of us, that speaks to us, to remind us that every day, Father, that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, Father, you alone are worthy to be worshipped, and you alone are worthy to be honored, Father, to be exalted. So, Father, we look to you and to your spirit to speak and to, to teach, to instruct and to guide. We thank you, Father for the great ministry of the Spirit of God that you've given to us. You paid such a great price, Father, to send the Spirit into the earth. And so we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians. We'll get started there today. So uh, we got to, let's see, I guess I should be in Philippians too. I'm an over Isaiah. Uh, it's not a, uh, sometimes people say, well, it must be God. No, it's just I've opened it up to Isaiah. So, um, But Philippians chapter 2 so we're, uh, and it's interesting because where we're at with Philippians, it's uh, actually crossing a lot of the same boundaries as the things we're going to be teaching on, on Sunday and Easter, but that's, you know, that's, and that's not unusual there. Uh, but we got down to uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, where it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So Paul is really talking about <clears throat> the motivation of why we do things, right? And so just because something is done, you can't tell that something is done correctly just because that it was done, right? Uh, you know, some people can do, some people can sing and be great servants of the Lord, right? Some people can sing and it's all about them. Uh, and of course, you know, we're not here to judge, we're not here to point fingers, uh, but uh, the Lord is really concerned uh, and is really interested in What's our motivation? Why are we doing what we're doing, right? And so, and so Paul said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. So he didn't say let nothing be done. He said, uh, there's going to be things that need to be done, uh, but what's the motivation? What was the cause? What was the motivation for you to do that thing, right? Uh, was, was it to, uh, to cause strife? Uh, and you think, you know, well, who would cause strife? Uh, well, why did Paul write this? <laughs> Because somebody's causing strife, right? That's, uh, and so that's always a great question, right? It's always good to ask questions. Well, why did you write this, Paul? Well, because somebody in the church was doing something with the intent and purpose to cause strife in the church. 
Uh, and uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality, right? Uh, and uh, should we do things out of strife? You know, it, strife is there to cause division, right? Uh, it's selfish ambition. It's politicking. It's self-promotion. So they're not doing it to help the church. They're not doing it uh, for their benefit. They're doing it. I mean, they're not doing it for their. They're not doing it for the benefit of the pastor. They're doing it for the church. Uh, years ago, when I ran sound, and one of the great uh, blessings of running sound is you get to see people at their best. And sometimes you get to see people that they're not best, right? Uh, and so we had this one guitar player. And we had a lot of guitar players over the years. And it's funny because l- later on I was talking to somebody that went to a different church. They said, you know, people we have the most trouble with? Lead guitar players, you know. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true or not, you know, but that was his observation. Uh, but then, anyway, this one fella uh, played a guitar. And, you know, if you go to like a honky-tonk, you know, I don't go to honky-tonks, but, you know, in theory, you know, if you did... Um, if you go to, you know, a bar scene or, you know, even a concert, typically the way they set it up where they have these giant guitar amps, right? And they're on the front of the stage facing the audience, right? So the people in the front row just, you know, get their hair parted with all the lead guitar playing, right? Uh, and, and that's fine if you're at a concert, right? It's fine if you're at a bar, I suppose, you know, I mean, I don't really care, none of my business, but, uh, but, you know, in a church, the primary goal is to have a well-rounded sound, right? So you have speakers like this right here. I'm not trying to teach you all how to be sound people or anything, but you have a speaker here, and so you run all the instruments through the speaker, and you blend it to get a good balanced sound, right? So that's kind of typical the ways you do that. Uh, and it's not about, you know, you go to a concert, you've got a lead guitar player. He's going to do a guitar solo, and it's all about him. He's going to slide across the stage. He's going to smash his guitar at the end of it, you know, whatever drama that they want to do, right? Uh, and so this one fellow said, well, I want to turn my amp around facing the sanctuary. <laughs> uh, no, you can't do that. Well, why not? Well, because we have thousands of dollars worth of speakers and amplifiers that can take your sound and blend it with the, everybody else, right? Because, you know, your amplifier is going to be great for the six people sitting in front of it, but for the person on the other side of the church, they're not going to hear they're not going to hear that at all. Right. So it would be. And besides that, there's what's the what's the point of that? If you're can be blended like everybody else. Right. But see, uh, so so he he's not happy. Right. Uh, and of course, from my perspective, you know, all I did was, uh, Pastor, what would you like me to do? I said, here, here's what the guitar player wants to do. What would you like to do? What what's the best thing to do? Well, my opinion is, you know, we blend the sound for everybody and, you know, uh, and we work as a team to, to produce sound that honors and glorifies the Lord. Okay, that's fine. You know, do that. So it's fine. You know, and then, uh, then we had this uh, visiting sound man. He actually worked for Rama for many years, traveled with Brother Hagen all over the country. And, and of course, he knew uh, more about sound than I probably ever knew because, uh, you know, he runs sound for 50 people, you know, and, and no, no, no budget, right? Just buy whatever you want to buy and, and do whatever you want to do. Uh, and so he knew a lot about sound and putting sound together. So he was there one Sunday. We we're mixing the sound. And, and um, I said, well, at the at the end of practice, I said, the guitar player is going to come up here and tell you that uh, ask you if, if he can be heard. <laughs> and like, OK. And so as soon as practice was over, you know what happened? The guitar player, you know, made a beeline for the sound booth. He walked right in front of me, didn't say nothing to me. Right. Just bypasses me and goes to the sound man and goes, can you hear me? Because people are telling me that they can't hear me. Well, who's telling you they can't hear you, right? First of all. Uh, and, and so, uh, uh, no, you know, and so um, 
so he so he talks to the sound man and says um, he says uh, I can't be heard uh, or he asks a question can I be heard and so um, so he he said well no you could be heard fine right you know why he could be heard fine because we have thousands of dollars worth of sound equipment we mix them like everybody else is mixed and of course he the 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 guitar player left uh, and and the sound man looked at me he said are you a prophet <laughs> no, obviously not a prophet, but I know people, right? And I know, uh, but the unfortunate part about the whole story was, see, he, he wasn't there to play the guitar for the church, right? He wasn't there to play the guitar for the pastor. He was really to play the guitar there for his own benefit, right? To be seen, to obtain a little bit of glory from men. Uh, and of course, you know, if you go to Matthew chapter six, the Lord Jesus talks about, um, you know, why are you praying in front of people? He said, if you're praying to be seen of men, he said, you have your reward. So instead of getting the reward from the Lord for being our servant, we get the reward from men that the reward is men think a lot of you. Is that important? I mean, I, I know some people think that's really important. You know what you think of me. But is, is there any eternal value of that at all? There, I mean, in my, there's none in my, in my heart at all. Right. So so Paul was saying uh, he said, whatever you do, uh, he said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Uh, and so what was that? Of course, you, do you know who this sound, who this guitar player was? Right. None of you. None of you all know. Right. Uh, and so uh, and uh, maybe my wife might know, but nobody else will know. Uh, and so um, but um, so I'm not trying to run him down because, you know, I'm not naming names. But the point of it was, you know, he wasn't and he wasn't the only one. Right. I mean, for the most part, the the musicians and singers we had were wonderful people, godly people, spirit filled people, loved the Lord and desired only to serve him. But every now and then you had uh, a musician who it was all about them. Uh, and uh, and and that's really the case. Anybody who's got great talent that's above average talent, you know, that's that's really good talent. It's really hard for them to to stay in the lane, right? And of course, what did he say, Paul said to do? He said, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So remember, we talked a little bit about lowliness of mind. Is, is It's the same word for, for humility. And humility is not, being un, is not being downtrodden and stepped on and you know, never having an opinion. Uh, being humble is staying under the Lord, right? Where he's above you and, and you're below him. When we step out and say, look at me, look how wonderful of a guitar player I am. We've stepped out of our lane and now we're the Lord, right? Now we want to be worshipped. Now we want to be, uh, uh, have the accolades of men as if we're worthy to be worshipped. Uh, but that's really cause for great concern uh, from the Lord because he, he's the only one worthy to be worshipped, right? But men, he said vainglory, right? Uh, he didn't say... Uh, that there wasn't glory in it. He said the glory there is vain or of no value, right? The word vain means of no value. So, uh, and who can judge that? Well, only you can judge that, right? Only you can judge your own motivations. Only you can decide, why am I doing this thing? Am I doing this to be seen, to get the, the accolades of men? Uh, and I know there's a balance to everything because Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, let your good works shine uh, so that it be seen of all men. Uh, but he also said so that the Lord would get the glory, right? So if you're doing things and your desires for the Lord to get the glory, you know, that only you can judge that, right? But, um, and most of the time we can tell what somebody's uh, motivations are. But there's politicking and self-promotion in church. And, and uh, of course, this is written to the church, right? 
the church has no business being involved in these things, but many times these things are in the church, right? Uh, because, you know, you get outside the church and the whole world is competing for glory, right? The whole world is competing to say, look how, how important I am. And, and someday all of those people will stand before the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says that every, uh, every uh, knee will bow and every tongue will confess, right? But between now and then, they think they can stand in their own glory. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, we have inside information that none of us are worthy to be worshipped. All of us should be servants of the Most High God. Uh, and so, so he said, um, uh, in lowliness of mind. And so you, you keep your mind where it's supposed to be. You never think more, more highly of yourself than you ought to. But see, humility, people think humility is thinking l- l- uh, less of yourself. Well, that's not humility, right? Humility is thinking of you as the way the Lord thinks of you. I'm a child of the Most High God. Uh, I serve the Almighty God. I worship Him, and He alone is worthy to be worshipped. And I'm unworthy to be worshipped. And that's being lowliness of mind. That's be, me acknowledging that the Lord is great, and I am not. You know, and, and because of Him, uh, I'm able to do what I do in this earth. Uh, and so, uh, and He said, let, let each esteem other better than themselves. So when there's politicking going on in the church, that's when you're thinking, uh, my, uh, my supplier, what I have is more important than what you have. You know, I, I'm more important than you are. I need your position that you've got. And even, you know, uh, when I was with my pastor, I was hired and fired from so many different positions over the years um, and uh, never really tried to get them and um, got fired from a lot of them, you know. And so, um, but even when I had positions, it was amazing how many people tried to try to compete with me for that position. And I didn't want it to begin with. Uh, and in fact, I remember one, one Wednesday night, uh, the pastor decided that he wanted spiritual leaders. He, he didn't like the word elders, which is a perfectly biblical uh, uh, name, but he'd had a lot of conflict with elders over the years, so he decided to rename them to be spiritual leaders, which is not a biblical term, but it's what he chose to call them. Uh, and he said, uh, and from the pulpit, he looked me back at the sound booth and said, uh, uh, Chip, you want to be a spiritual leader? <laughs> that's, like, that's a really loaded question, you know. Because uh, I thought, I can't imagine the wrath I would, I would uh, uh, incur if I said no. Uh, but I really wanted to say no because I'd seen what had happened to the elders uh, prior to me. Uh, and, uh, and I accepted, the, I did accept it and did regret it too as well. So, <laughs> but that's, a, that's another whole discussion there. Uh, but he said, let each, let each esteem others better than themselves. So from my perspective, look, if you want this job, you can have it. it I mean, it, it does not belong to me. It, my, my blood is not written in this, on this position. You know, I, you know you, if you want it, you know, it, uh, no, no big deal at all, right? Uh, and so he said, let each esteem other better than themselves. Uh, and so that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good um, measurement for your own heart. You know, when you're with somebody, is the person that you're with, are they better than you? I'm not saying are they actually better than you. But can you treat them like they're better than you? Can you treat them like they're more important than you? Can you treat them like they're worthy of honor? Can you treat them like, uh, like they're a valuable person? Uh, and, uh, and, and that's what Paul is saying, right? And of course, uh, in this context, he's talking about when it comes to things going on in the church. Uh, and then he says in the verse 4, he says, uh, Look not every man unto his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, and so... Uh, of course, there's, uh, there's a few things of interest in here because uh, we don't have to turn there. But over in First Peter chapter four, uh, Peter said, 
but let none of you suffer as a murderer. Uh, that's not the context of what we're saying, right? But, uh, or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. It's interesting who he lumped busybodies with, a murderer, right? I mean, you know, it's like if he said busybody or jaywalker or, you know, somebody who was caught speeding, you know, 40 and a 35, you know, you know, that's all kind of, you know, in our mind, there's all kind of the same level of stuff. But he said busybody and murderer. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big, you know, leap there from uh, busybody to murderer there, right? Or even thief or evildoer. I mean, what's that? I mean, that's whatever they're doing is not good, right? Uh, so he lumps the busybody in with, with, with that person. And I looked up just the word uh, busybody, one who takes the supervision of affairs pertaining to others and in no wise to himself. You want to know what's going on with everybody else, except nobody want, you won't let no, nobody know what's going on with you, right? You want to tell everybody else how to do their job without anybody telling you how to do your job, right? Well, that's a busybody, right? Hey, you do that. Hey, you do. Like, well, you know, maybe you don't tell me what to do. But you just told everybody else what to do, right? You ever, you ever been around people like that? Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're great supervisors, but they're, they have a hard time accepting any, any correction at all, right? Uh, and so, so but uh, Peter uh, put that in a, in a pretty grave context, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about in Philippians. So that's what Peter's talking about over there, right? And that's a, I mean, you can meddle on busybodies for a long time, right? Uh, you know, I used to, there, there were some folks that, that we went to church with, and, um, you know, these folks, you know, after a while, it was really hard for me to be friends with them because all they wanted to know, or all they wanted to do was know all the business of everybody in the church. And, hey, did you hear about that? And, and so then they wanted to gossip about everybody on the church. Hey, do you know about that? Did you hear about that? And, 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 hey, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? And it's like, is that all you want to know? It's just what, what's going on in everybody's life? You're not the pastor, right? What can you do? I mean, it's not about, oh, so we can pray for them. It's not, you're not praying for them. You just want gossip, right? Uh, and, and so, so, and that's what they, they'd always go around, just find all the, all the, because there's, there's a real emotional need for certain people to be in the know, right? I got to know everything about everybody. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's really, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's a, uh, any other kind of issues other than that, but, uh, but there's a real need for that kind of person to, Know what, what you're doing, right? What you're doing at home and what you're doing, you know, what's your job and how you're doing your job at, at, uh, at church. Uh, but they don't, they can't stand any scrutiny on their own life, right? And so, but again, that's not a whole discussion. Paul is talking about, uh, let, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So uh, what he's talking about here in, in verse four is really uh, finding that balance in your life to not be a selfish person, uh, you know, in our in all of our lives, uh, we have so much to do, especially in our society. You know, uh, I was thinking about something uh, about, you know, some of these people. Uh, I've got all these old, uh, you know, uh, Bible translations from the 1800s, some from the 1700s, some even from the uh, the Geneva Bible was written in the 1500s. Right. The, the, the primary uh, version of that that people use today is from 1599. Uh, and a lot of these Bible translations were written by one guy. You know, there's 31,102 verses in the King James Bible, and somebody had to translate every single one of those into English and, uh, and go to the Hebrew for the Old Testament. But see, it wasn't just Hebrew. Most of it was Hebrew, but then every now and then they'd throw in some uh, Aramaic, you know, just other languages right in the middle of it. It's like, where did this come from? When you get into, you know, like Daniel and places when they would go outside of the nation of Israel, a lot of times they'd intersperse 
other languages right there in the middle of the, of the so they have to know that language right they'd have to go and learn what that language is uh, and, and so what you know one of my favorite translations is is Phillips translation of the New Testament J.B. Phillips uh, and uh, it's very you know popular a lot of people know about Phillips translation what a lot of people don't know is is J.B. Phillips also translated four books of the Old Testament uh, and and he's got an interesting introduction he said he said, I love Greek language. He said, but the Hebrew language, it's so terse. You know, it just says words and, and, and nobody knows what these words mean. You know, from the context, we assume it means this, but we don't really know. And it's an interesting introduction to, uh, to the language there. Uh, but uh, uh, he said, uh, let, let not every man uh, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So uh, we have to, uh, and so I was talking about being selfish is, uh, these men would spend, you know, a, a major part of their whole life just doing one work, like translating the entire Bible. Uh, and uh, anybody ever seen, ever seen a Strong's Concordance, right? The big giant books, you know, they're this thick, you know. Uh, and Dr. Strong, you know, you know, basically he went through every single word of the Bible uh, and found every verse where that word was used, right? The, so he, he used the King James version of the Bible. And so he cataloged every single word of the Bible. And it was like, uh, I, well, I don't know off the top of my head, but there's probably 400,000 words in the King James Bible. Uh, and so for every word, you know, father. Well, how many verses have the word father in it? Well, it's dozens. Sometimes it's got hundreds of verses, right, for one particular word. He cataloged all that. Uh, and so how, by hand, right? Now, today, uh, I mean, I actually wrote a computer program, you know, that could do it in literally minutes, right? Uh, and I uh, needed it for something else. Uh, and so, but he spent, uh, you know, probably the majority of his, of his life doing that one work. Uh, and, and, you know, that is somebody who's not selfish, right? Somebody who, who wants to add to uh, the whole church, right? He added that to the church. And for decades, you know, probably 100 years or more until computers were invented and then uh, computer programs were set up to do this all automatically. Uh, uh, in fact, when I first got saved and, when I was 15 years old, I had a strong concordance and used it for many years. Uh, and so, because uh, you couldn't, you, those kind of computer programs didn't exist and without, not without a significant cost. Uh, so, uh, Paul is saying here, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So, uh, he didn't say, don't ever, um, don't ever do anything for your own self, right? Because he says, don't just look on your own things, but also look on the things for other people. So, you know, sometimes in our in our mentality of martyrs, well, I'm of no value. I'll, I, you know, if I do anything for myself, it's selfish. I can, only, you know, I can only help other people. Right. And so they're helping everybody else and they never help themselves. They never spend any time on themselves, never study for themselves and never, you know, uh, get any rest. Uh, and Paul is, is not saying that. Right. But sometimes we get things out of balance in the church. Right. We, we become such servants, which are good. But sometimes. Uh, we are servants, not because we want to be a blessing to somebody, but because, you know, we just feel bad if we don't. We feel condemned if we don't. Sometimes uh, because of our mentality, we think that I have to be a servant. That's what defines me. Uh, well, being a servant is not what defines you. Being a child of God is what defines you. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes there's some, some uh, renewing of the mind that has to happen there, right? Because some people, all they do is spend time helping everybody else. But sometimes they end up neglecting their own family, their own kids, their own spouses. Uh, and so uh, Paul said, look, not every man on his own things, but also 
on the things of others. So he said it's okay to look at your, take care of your own stuff, right? Uh, and, and don't feel bad about it. Sometimes people, you know, just spend a day at home and just, you know, do nothing. You know, it's perfectly fine. You take a day at home and just, well, what are you doing? Absolutely nothing. Oh, you're a terrible person, right? I never feel bad about just doing nothing every now and then, right? Uh, it's not very often I get to do that, but every now and then I'll just, what are you doing? Nothing. You feel guilty? Yeah, see, right there. See, this is just first, just for you, right? Because if you can't sit at home and just do nothing, you got, you got some work to do, right? Because he said right there that you, can, you have the right to look at your own things, right? But then also on the things of others. Amen? So the balance you've got to find there is, you know, you just, the balance is you've got to be led of the Spirit of God. And the Lord, is it okay if I just do nothing? And, you know, the Lord would be like, yeah, fine. What did the Lord do on the seventh day? He rested, right? He wasn't fixing somebody's car or, you know, uh, taking somebody to the doctor or, you know, making potato salad. What was he doing? Nothing. And, uh, uh, and, and I'm going to package this message up and, and duct tape it to my wife, right? Because <laughs> she has a really hard time doing nothing. I, I've got like a, uh, like a degree in doing nothing, right? I mean, I can do nothing with experts. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but my wife, you know, she just, you know, I mean, she can sit down, you know, and she's back up, you know, five seconds later. Okay, you know, I've sat down for five seconds. Now, what can I do? What can I do, right? You know, uh, and uh, I'm going to tell my mother-in-law here just a, uh, real quick there. But we, uh, we first got married, we'd come to Dayton and visit, you know, and, and uh, there was something, I, there was, it's a genetic flaw, something about the Booth family, you know, but it's Saturday morning, you know, and, and uh, you know, normal people are doing Saturday morning, 6.30, they're asleep, right? She's vacuuming the house, you know, and you can hear it coming down the hall. You just get louder, louder. It's like an emergency. What's I mean, like did something happen like a like a like a natural disaster that, you know, you had to vacuum right now, you know, Uh, but that's just, you know, that's uh, uh, some people just got character flaws they're still working on. Right. But um, uh, but so so Paul said. There's a balance. It's an okay balance, right? To find uh, where you're doing stuff for you. And if see, if you're only ever you, then you're 100% selfish. But also, if you're only everybody else, you're probably still selfish because if you're feeling guilty, you're still thinking about you, right? I know it's, it's kind of heaping on you, double up on you there for that one, right? But, uh, so you've got to find the balance where it's perfectly fine to, to help somebody. You know, and it's okay sometimes to say no. You know, it's, it's perfectly fine, right? Because, you know, I know Ephesians does say, you know, give to everyone who has need. But there's also, you, that, that's with the implication of you're led of the Spirit. Because just because someone says, hey, I need $10, do they actually need $10? Do you know if they're telling the truth? I mean, they could be lying, right? You ever had anybody lie to you about, you know? Uh, and so, in fact, <laughs> uh, I've had people uh, to ask me to lie on their behalf. You know, and uh, uh, no, that can't happen, right? Uh, and so, so is there a balance? Well, there is a balance there, right? Uh, look not every man onto his own things, but also. See, the key word is also, right? Because if you, if you leave out the word also, it says, let, let, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. That's a busybody, right? Uh, if you're just doing it just to get information, right? Or there could be other things that are motivating you to do that. So, but Paul included the, the important word also, right? Um, so, can we find that balance, right? Is it okay 
to do, to do something for yourself, right? Is it okay for you just to make, I'm just going to make me a sandwich. I'm not going to make anybody else's, I'm going to make me a sandwich. It's going to be the best sandwich in the whole world. Nobody else is going to have it, right? Unless your kids show up and then they get to eat everything, right? Uh, and so, um, so th- that, that's a, that's, that would be a good balance, right? Because the thing I find about the Word of God that's really helpful is the Word of God is full of balance, right? Uh, if, well, I'm a martyr, I've got I've to sacrifice my life for everybody else. Well, that's not true. That, the position of martyr was already done by the Lord Jesus, right? That position of being a sacrifice for everybody else has already been done. Um, and, and if the Lord God himself can rest on the seventh day, it's be, you think he's, he's upset if we ever rest? Didn't Jesus rest? I mean, one of the greatest sermons he ever gave was a woman at the well, and he was there because he was resting, right? Uh, and so, so uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 4, it's a, to me, that's a, that's a pretty pretty good verse right uh, find the balance in your life well, well well what's the balance there's no there's no number right it's not 60 40 it's not 70 30 it's not 50 50 it's whatever works for you with with the call of god in your life right because some people are just called to you know some people they just love making food right well that's fine right some people love mowing yards for people fine some people love fixing things for people you know it's not a problem right it's whatever you do uh, so uh, just make sure that uh, what's your motivation, you know, verse 3 uh, asks you what your motivation is. Verse 4 says, find the balance, right? Uh, and if you'll do that, you'll live a very productive, happy, uh, stress-free life, right? Uh, and so, and then, you know, from, from verse 5, he shifts gears here a little bit. And verse, uh, from verse uh, 5 down to um, um, really verse, verse uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, uh, it is one of the most uh, packed full of verses of Revelation that's in the New Testament. And so Paul starts in verse 5. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. So he's kind of setting us up here, right? So he's going to tell us uh, about what, what the Lord Jesus is doing. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> he wants to make him something there. Um, uh, and then... Um, uh, so he's sending us up here in verse 5, let this mind be also in you, which is in Christ Jesus. So he's encouraging us, think like the Lord thinks. Uh, and if the church as a whole would think like the Lord thinks, the church as a whole would be way better off, right? Um, and so let this mind be also in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. But in the context of what he's specifically talking about, uh, he starts in verse uh, 6 and goes really through verse 8. So he says in verse 6, uh, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to read uh, uh, 6, 7, and 8 because you really need the context of this to, um, uh, so we can go back and, and see what he's talking about. So in verse 5, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man or men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So, uh, so he's talking about the death of the Lord Jesus right here. Uh, uh, and so, and, and actually, you know, we're going to be crossing some of the lines from Easter, right, uh, in this discussion here. We'll see how far we goes. So uh, he said, in the context of Jesus being a servant to do what the Lord told him to do, he said, let this mind be also in you. Uh, and so uh, he's, then he says in verse 6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
So, of course, we know the call of, of the Lord Jesus, right? What he was called to do. He was called to leave heaven and come down to the earth. Uh, he says in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So that was the call of, of the Lord Jesus, right? To do that. So now how long had Jesus been in eternity with God the Father in heaven? Well, forever, right? Was, was there ever a time when Jesus was not with God the Father? No, I mean, have they been together for all eternity? Right, and there's, so there's no, was, is there a beginning to the Lord Jesus? No beginning to the Lord Jesus, right? He's, he's eternal like God the Father. He is God. And so there's no beginning, right? God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit have no beginning, right? You go back as far as you head that way, you never get to an end, right? You go forward, there's never an end that way either, right? So there's, that's what makes him deity. Uh, and uh, all of us have a beginning, right? That's what makes us created beings, right? We were created. We, we have never always been in existence. There's myths that people say that we were all in heaven before we were born. No, we, we did not exist because uh, the book of Hebrews says that God is the father of spirits. That means that we were, uh, we were created as offspring in the spirit realm from the God the Father and as offspring in the natural realm from, from our parents. So you had a beginning, right? You have a birth date, right? That was your beginning in the natural realm. Uh, and your, your beginning of your spirit being was probably the day that you were conceived, right? Uh, and so, so uh, he said, uh, let this mind be in you. He said, who being in the form of God thought of not robbery to be equal to God. So that's a little unusual um, the way it's written there. I want to read the amplified version of that. It says, who also he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. So in other words, uh, he was... Uh, he was God in heaven with God the Father. But there was a need for him to lay that aside and come down to the earth to be born as a human being. Now, that's a big ask. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a big... You ever had people call you up and ask for a huge favor? Hey, what are you doing right now? Uh, nothing. Uh, can, you, can you help me, like, move? Like, right now? Well, yeah. You know, I know when... when um, <laughs> Anne Marie uh, graduated from college. Uh, we had to move her out of her apartment. And we said, well, well how much? We had a couple boxes, right? How long were we there, Jared? It was like all day, right? She had like 87 boxes and 16 couches and, and 14. I mean, we don't know what it was, but it was an all day event. It wasn't two boxes, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, family, you know, family gets you a buy anyway. You know, you, know, it, it, you can't, there's nothing too big you can ask for family, but. Uh, but it's funny, you know, just, uh, just a couple of things, you know, and it was there for like forever. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, it was a big ask of God the Father to ask the Lord Jesus to leave that. Because if he came to earth as God, then, you know, it's not really going to help the cause. Because the, the purpose of it was, and there's so much wrapped up in the Lord Jesus coming to the earth. And if you remember the, the message from back from Christmas about why Jesus had to be born of a virgin, there's so much wrapped up in that because um, it says that he had to come uh, and be formed as a man. But, uh, but the, in verse 6 here, he's saying that, look, uh, the Father has asked me to go down to the earth and to leave, uh, I'm still deity, but leave all my power that I have, all my ability that I have, all my glory that I have, Leave it here in heaven. 
and go down through the earth with all, without all of that stuff. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are like, I ain't doing that. No way. So for people like that, they want to hold on to it, don't they? They want to grasp it. And that's what he says, thought of not robbery or, or something to be grasped and held on to. I ain't giving that up. Don't ask me to do that. That's beneath me. Uh, and if you're ever going to be a servant, you know, if you're a servant, what's beneath you? Well, there's literally nothing, right? Just dirt. It's the only thing beneath you, right? If you're a servant, you're... And so is there anything uh, too big or too small to do? Well, not as a servant, right? Uh, you know, years ago, we, we were... Um, uh, we, we, our church was asked to help uh, usher one of uh, Benny Hen's services there in Nashville. And so they would ask a lot of local churches to send help because, you know, these be, they got tens of thousands of people there, right? A lot of people... And so they need a lot of support. Well, you could pay somebody to do all that, but that'd be really expensive. I mean, you've got hundreds of volunteers, right? Uh, and so, uh, so we, we, we went down to Nashville and helped them out. And so um, they threw me up and a friend of mine, you know, we were way up in the nosebleed seats. And so what they would do is they would, they would have these big curtains, these black curtains on these big, on these big you know, rods, you know, like 10 feet tall or so. And they'd want you to put all these, uh, it's like a big curtain, right? And you had, to, you had to haul all these big curtains down uh, pretty low to the bottom of the, of the Colosseum because they wanted to keep everybody at the bottom, right? And then as it filled up, then they would open up those seats. Uh, and that way it would always look full, right? Because if you just put a 50,000 seat Colosseum wide open and you got 5,000 people there, it looks completely empty, doesn't it? So they would want to kind of congregate everybody together, you know, and and I remember one lady in particular, we said, well, you know, uh, we need you to sit down here. She said, I'll sit wherever the blank I want to sit. I'm like, well, and then you're going to go down and get prayed for? I mean, you know, uh, how do you reckon that's going to work? I don't know. But, um, you know, uh, you're going to cuss at uh, Benny Hinn, too, if he doesn't pray hard enough for you? I don't know. You know, you need to pray blanket to blank harder for me, I guess. And, uh, but uh, so yeah. anyway, so we did that job for a while. Hot, dirty, you know, because nobody sits up on those notes. It's all dirt and dust up there. Right. And so. Um, so that, that lasted until they were done moving those things, you know, so they had to go find other jobs to do. So somehow I ended up in the, in the room where they count the offering, right? Uh, and talk about money. I mean, you know, they bring in by the basketfuls, right? And, uh, and I got no problem with it at all. You know, you know, the, uh, the workman's worthy of his wages and none of my business about all that part of it. Uh, but you know, uh, you got all that cash coming in. Somebody's got to sort it, right? I mean, you got to sort it, you got to stack it, you got to separate it, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and so and they bring it in, it'd be literally piles of money. I mean, it's just, you know, this tall on the table and you'd fast as you can, you'd have to sort it, you know, pull it out there. So we're just moving as fast as we can. And I just got noticing this one girl sitting across, you know, she, she, she wasn't hardly moving. The rest of it's moving like crazy. You know, she, every now and then she'd, she'd go and then not move. And finally, it's like, you know, I took a breath and looked over there. Well, she's only doing hundred dollar bills, right? She's not doing hundreds, fifties, twenties, tens, fives, ones, right? Uh, she's only doing hundreds. So every now, so, you know, there's not a lot of hundreds, right? There's a lot of twenties, I mean, a bunch of twenties, right? And a few fifties, you know, a lot of tens, a lot of tons and tons of ones, right? So, I mean, you got to move as fast as you can because it's coming in by the, by the basketfuls, right? And so you got to stack it all up so that somebody can count it and put it through the machines and all that stuff uh, and get it, you know, sometimes people wad it up, you know, sometimes, you know, people bury it and duct tape it and then glue it and then staple it and then put it in, you know, under a brick and you got to get it through seven layers of security before you can get to the envelope, right? Uh, and so, so you got to get through all of that. And then, uh, but you know, everybody else is moving fast. But you know, only hundred dollar bills. Only you know, only hundred dollar bills good enough for baby, you know. And so, uh, 
So she would only do hundred of it. And I don't know anything about it, you know, anything about her, except I just thought it was odd that, you know, you could put a stack of hundred dollar bills right there and then put fifties and twenties and, you know, I mean, um, and so, uh, but the question for us is, uh, are we servants of the most high God? Are all of us servants? Is there any job that, that's too big or too small for us to do, right? Well, there's not. You know, I remember years ago when we, I went to church when it was a Wednesday night. And the youth were having, a, sometimes the youth would have meals and they'd, they'd charge for the meals and, and earn uh, money to go on trips and stuff. And so, um, so we got there early. And well, apparently in the women's restroom, there was a, a water leak or something. Now, you know, there was a bunch of people at church already. And so I just showed up, you know, I didn't really have any responsibility that night. So I get there, you know, people everywhere. And the pastor's in the bathroom mopping the, the women's floor, you know. And I just thought, no, he's not doing that, right? I mean, I just, uh, it just something in me just like, no, you, you know. Was he too good to mop the bathroom floor? He wasn't too good to mop it. And, and, and I said, uh, Pastor, you need to uh, let me have that mop. You know, you go do something else. He said, no, I've got this. Uh, and, you know, I was always very respectful of my pastor. Uh, but that night, it's like, no, you're not mopping this floor. You're leaving, go and do something else. People out there need you. They don't need me. They need you. Um, and, and so I, I was uh, very frank with him. In fact, you know, uh, you know, I wasn't going to get in a, in a pushing match with him because he did have a black belt in karate. Uh, and so, you know, he probably knew three different ways to hurt me without me even knowing it. And, and so uh, but I did I did stand my ground and, and uh, demanded that he give me the, the mop. Uh, and so, was, you know, so that was a good example that he wasn't too good to do things. And he never was too good for things. But, you know, he didn't need to be there. Right. There was people everywhere. He should have been with other people helping them out and it wasn't because he was afraid of them it wasn't it was just there was a need and he was going to do it right and he couldn't find anybody to do it at that time and so uh but so so for jesus he said it, he thought it not robbery to be equal with god right the, the exact essence uh, uh with god right so he was exactly equal with god because he is god right so but he said uh, it, it was not beneath him to leave heaven so uh, and that's always a good test for us, you know. Is there anything that's too small for us, right? Uh, and, you know, one of the things that my pastor would do, and, you know, I have found it to be uh, effective as well, you know, people come into church, you know, they want to they help. Okay, great, what do you want to do? Well, I, I want to be, I, I want to preach. Okay, great, well, you know, nobody, we don't need a preacher right now, but we do need someone to clean the bathrooms, right? And it's always a good test right there to see what they're going to do, right? Uh, and so... Um, and, and I've tried that over the years and not been really successful over some of those things because I've had people you know, say, Pastor, you know, uh, what do you need? I'll, anything you need, I'll, I'll be glad to do. And, you know, we're not a big church, so there's not a lot of things we need done. Right. Uh, and so I said, well. Actually, now that you mentioned it, you know, the baseboards are kind of dusty. You know, they could really use to just, you know, it wouldn't take about 10 minutes to clean all the bus, uh, the baseboards. Right. To, you know, they just uh, and they said, oh, well, not that. Well, that's all I needed right then, right? I didn't, need, I didn't need anybody to preach. I didn't need anybody to, you know, run the sound or sing or, you know, write a letters or anything. I just needed somebody to, you know, 10 minutes to clean the baseboards, you know. And, and they said no. <laughs> Walked off. I was like, well, okay, you know. Uh, and so, so, see, they thought it was robbery to, they thought it was robbery to uh, something to be grasped and held on to that their position, right? That, they, that whatever they thought they were, that they wanted to hold on to that. Right, that it, that whatever position they thought they had, or whatever reputation they thought they had, they didn't want to give that up. But to be seen being so lowly as to dust baseboards, 
you know, I can dust a baseboard, you know, I mean, it's not beneath me to dust a baseboard, but they asked, you know, what I needed done, and that was the only thing I needed done at that particular time, right? So, uh, and again, the key to verse 6 is verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? So he said it was not uh, something that I'm going to hold on to and refuse to give it up. That's my position. I'm not giving it up for anybody. Uh, and and there, I mean, the small wars are fought in churches over positions, aren't they? Right. You just go ask a deacon to step down in some denominational churches. And, you know, we're talk, you're talking about nuclear war and everything. Right. Uh, and so. But that's not the example that the Lord Jesus left us, is it? Do you think of anybody who could have made the case that I'm actually God? Right. I'm not just I want to be God. I'm actually God. And you're asking me to to lay that aside and like he said in, ver- in verse uh, seven, and to be made like a man out of dirt and clay. And yesterday I'm sitting in glory and the rainbow's there and I'm seeing God and angels are coming and worshiping me and the elders are worshiping me. And well, not the elders yet. That's after Jesus went to the cross, right? The, the elders were all down in Abraham's wisdom, but the angels are worshiping him, right? You got cherubim and seraphim and all these, you know, spectacular angelic beings and He's in glory for all eternity. And, and you want me to give that up for these people that don't even love me, that, that barely can make it through a week without sinning. You want me to do that for them? Yeah. And Jesus is like, OK, when do we start? No problem. You want to start tomorrow? How about right now? Let's go right now. You want to? Well, they said right now in, in Genesis chapter three and took them thousands of years, right? Because men are so slow. Uh, so. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in a form of God, thought of not robbery or something to be grasped, but held on to, uh, to be equal with God. Uh, And so, uh, you know, and I I just put a note in here. This was not a difficult decision for Jesus to make. He didn't sweat it. He wasn't concerned. What are people going to think when they see me stoop down there and and washing the feet of my disciples? What are they going to think when when people talk bad at me and and I don't? Just open up the earth and swallow them. What are people going to think when I'm on the cross and naked before the very creation I made on a tree that I created? What are they going to think? Not, not even a second, not even a pause, right? Not even a nanosecond. Uh, and, and so, because then he gets right down to verse 7, and verse 7 is one of the most amazing uh, verses, I think, ever. He said, but made himself of what? No reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now that's a, that's an amazing verse right there. No reputation made himself with no reputation. You know, one of the, the, the worst things you can ever say is what are people going to think? What are people going to think about me? Well, what is that? That's somebody with a reputation, right? That's somebody who's concerned about what people are going to think. And so, and so he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. He made himself of no reputation. And this is one of the most the greatest superpowers you can ever obtain as a Christian when you get to the point that that the thoughts of men are of no concern to you. The thoughts of men about you are of no concern to you. Uh, and if you can ever get there, see, if you're there, you're just like the Lord Jesus. Right. So now you're in the same exact boat as our master. Right. Same exact boat as our example of the Lord Jesus, that he made himself of no reputation. Uh, so so not just diminished reputation, no reputation. Where was Jesus when he was 29 years old? What was he doing? 
we don't know, right? I mean, probably he was a carpenter, right? He was a carpenter's son, so he's probably a carpenter, right? Uh, was, was, did he have the most famous carpenter store in the world? Was his, was his carpentry known uh, around Asia and, and Europe? And did people come from all around the world to buy carpentry items made by Jesus? No. Who had heard of Jesus before the River Jordan? No one. John the Baptist, I mean, family, family knew him, right? Uh, and a few of the teachers of the law, remember, in, in when he was 12, he went to Jerusalem and was teaching the teachers of the law. A uh, few people uh, knew of him, but for the most part, nobody, right? I mean, he was born in Bethlehem, a little kind of podunk town as far as the, the gospels are concerned, right? Moved to Nazareth, not exactly a thriving metropolis, right? He, I'm going to find the biggest city. You know, I'm going to go set up my ministry in Jerusalem. His ministry was... was was in Nazareth for the most part, in Galilee, right? But uh, he visited Jerusalem, but that wasn't really where his, where his uh, uh, main headquarters was at. It was, uh, uh, it moved around over the years, right, to different places. Uh, but uh, that's a pretty big statement, but he made himself a no reputation. And I remember years ago, my pastor loved this verse, and he would ta- he'd teach a lot of this verse. Um, and if we can get to a point where, you know, someone the other day just said, uh, told me, you know so-and-so? I said, oh, yeah, I know him. They said, they said they hate you. They told me that. They hate you. So, I mean, that, that, I said that has no impact on me whatsoever. I don't dislike that person more or less now that I've heard that information. I don't, I'm not concerned about that person, you know, because I live my life that, that uh, I do no harm. You know, I don't try, intentionally try to harm anybody. And if I do, you know, I can always repent. Uh, but um, I've not done nothing to nobody, you know, and, and so... I've got no regrets you know, about, oh, I just wish I hadn't said that or done that to them, right? I, I don't live with those because I don't do those things. So well, they don't like me with it. Really, I, more than anything, I, I feel sorry for them because if they knew me, they'd like me, right? I mean, I'm a wonderful person and, and uh, you know, really easy to get along with, uh, in, in my humble opinion, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but see, what, what people think, you know, what people think about our church, you know, there are a lot of people, you know, in fact, somebody, they asked me the other day, what do you think about so-and-so? In fact, uh, you know, I'll tell you, they said, what do you think about Joel Osteen? Well, well what about him? Well, s- people say he's a, he's a prosperity preacher. Is that a bad thing? I mean, you know, uh, I mean, isn't Jesus kind of prosperous? Doesn't he actually walk in streets of gold and he's got pure gold uh, walls and, uh, you know, we've got 12 foundations made of precious jewels and, a single pearl for a gate. I mean, I've never seen a single pearl, a single uh, gate made out of a single pearl of you. And there might be a single pearl in it, but the whole gate's not a single pearl. I mean, you think about the oyster that it have to come from, right? That'd be a pretty big oyster, right? There's things stumbling across that oyster, right? I mean, it's, and you think of the gates, and it's not like a little gate like this. You know, it's gonna, you know it's got to be a giant gate, right, in heaven. It's not, there's no small things in heaven. It's a big, I mean, it's massive and, and, and spectacular beyond measure, right? Uh, and so I said, well, and I, see, I could debate with them about you know, the doctrine of, of prosperity is a perfectly fine, good, solid doctrine, right? I mean, there's, the Lord wants us to prosperous, uh, prosperous, right? In fact, he said in, in 3 John verse 2, you know, I uh, wish above all things, uh, beloved, that you, that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth, right? So he's not talking about uh, uh, mental or, or spiritual prosperity because he covered that at the end of the verse, right? So he's talking about natural prosperity, right? Jesus said, you know, if you do, do what he said to do, that, uh, that you'll have a hundredfold in this life, right? 
uh, and in the life to come, eternal life. Uh, and so, so, you know, instead of debating the pros and cons of the uh, prosperity doctrine, which, I mean, I could do it, but, you know, you're kind of casting your pros for the spine because if you, if you, if you don't know the prosperity is a godly thing, then, then it, that's, it's really hard to change people in that because that's such an easy doctrine to fix, right? So easy. I mean, there's literally thousands of verses on, on prosperity. Uh, and they're all positive, right? I mean, there's some warnings about, you know, don't let money be your God, no doubt. But uh, there's so many verses that God wants to prosper you, right? Uh, is that the only thing important in life? Well, no, it's not, a, it's not even on the top 10 probably, but it's still the Lord gave it to us, right? And he says a lot of things about money in, the, in the, both in the Gospels, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, and so I said, well, I said, I imagine that uh, Joel Osteen has probably helped more people in the last year than I have probably helped in my entire life. So it's hard for me to say anything against him about that. And you reckon he has? I mean, he's got 18,000 people go to his church. You reckon he's probably fed tens of thousands of people, clothed tens of thousands of people, helped the rent and, and food with tens of thousands of people? Uh, I mean, the last year, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, he's probably, I bet he spent millions of dollars on benevolence programs. Millions of dollars, right? Because, I mean, I don't know, but I imagine their budget for the year, they probably bring in, I bet, a quarter, you know, probably $250 million a year is my guess. Just a guess. I mean, I don't know. But it's millions of dollars, right? If they just gave $10 million to help benevolence. Well, that's more money than this church has made in the in lifetime of the church, right? We've not earned $10 million in the lifetime of this church. So how many people you reckon he helped? A lot more than I have. And nothing against you, but a lot more than you have, right? So why am I going to say something against him? Is he doing good? Do I agree with everything he says? Well, I don't know, you know. I mean, the only one I ever can say is about Brother Hagen, and not because I, I just... I'm fanatical about brother Hagen, but you know he's just a really good bible teacher but uh, i mean so he's helping a lot of people amen how many people you reckon got born again in this church in the last year more probably than the history of this church it's my guess right i mean if you got a hundred people born again in the church it's more than this church had done in it in now it's not to diminish our church right i mean we're not eighteen thousand. people we got eighteen thousand people in our church so we're not trying to run down our church right we're, we're just why would, I, why would I say something bad about him? How many people have you got born again in the last year, right? You know, I didn't say that to that fella, but I could, you know, how many people have you helped? How many millions of dollars have you given away for benevolence, you know? Uh, you know you, so you could, you could be kind of rude like that, you know, in, in your face. But, the, uh, but uh, it's, just, it's just funny, right? Because um, uh, there's, oh, for some people, there's always a fight, right? And, and, I've, and I know people, in fact, I think it was that particular group of people that had showed one of his videos, Joel Osteen's videos at church, and then, and then spent the whole time saying how wrong he was about everything. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's, a, that's pretty tough, right? The whole goal is just tell how somebody's wrong, you know? And, and I bet they were wrong about how they were wrong, you know, about how he was wrong, because is prosperity a, a, a correct biblical doctrine? 100%. Does God want to prosper you? 100%, right? Uh, 100% he wants to prosper you. Uh, I mean, he said, if you give tithes and offerings, he'll open up the very windows of heaven, right? Jesus said, if you give, we give measure, press down, shake it together, and running over, shall men give it to your bosom? I mean, how many verses you want to go through, right? Uh, this is not a message on prosperity, but... Uh, so he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. He made himself of no reputation. So uh, when you think about it, you know, how important is it what, what people think about you? If you heard, I heard so-and-so said this about me, how would that affect you? 
How would it affect your mind, right? How would it affect your emotions? See, for me, it's... Because to me, it's, it's... You know, if Brother Randy called somebody and, and said, Hey, that Pastor Tip, he ain't no count. That hurt my feelings, right? Because I value the opinion of, of a spiritual leader, my spiritual uh, uh, elder in the Lord. His opinion matters, right? It, now, it shouldn't, but, you know, in some regards it shouldn't. But, I mean, it, it, it should in the sense that if he's right, then, you know, his, his opinion is, is correct. It, that would bother me. But somebody who, who is not an example of the Lord Jesus says something against me. I mean, a carnal Christian says something against me or a heathen says something against me, you know. I, I think we told you about the, uh, uh, the city council. Someone said something about, um, they were asking about a building that we happen to, my wife and I happen to own. Well, who owns it? Well, so-and-so, oh, well, them rich preachers, you know, they're in a derogatory tone, right? Them rich preachers, you know. Uh, and, um, I mean, do I care what a dinosaur thinks of me? You know, I mean, you know, some, I mean, who, who cares, right? Uh, because I know, have I ever stolen a penny from me, any of y'all? Have I begged you for money? Have I, have I prophesied a dollar out of your pockets ever, right? Well, I know, of course, I haven't done that, right? And, and, uh, and so, um, if he wants to think that about me in a derogatory tone that, you know, I'm somehow using my position as pastor to, to uh, increase my personal finances, and that's the only reason why I'm doing it. It's like, you know, Peter literally says, don't do this job for filthy lucre's sake, right? If I'm only doing this job for money, uh, I'm the saddest person you'll ever meet because uh, there the, the, is dangerous to begin with, right? Uh, and so, so my goal is to make myself, I have no reputation. What if people think, you know, you're, you're a terrible teacher, so, what do people think, you know, you're one of the mild churches, you know? So, what if they think, I had one fella, you know, uh, when we, we've only talked maybe twice in, in our life, right? And in, in second conversation, for, uh, first question he asked me is, uh, uh, what do you think about handling snakes? Because, you know, he was trying to imply that, you know, you guys snake handlers down there, aren't you? Because we talk in tongues, right? And yes, we talk in tongues. You know, all Facebook and all too. Yes, we speak in other tongues. You know, you should too. The Bible says to do it. So don't, don't get mad at me. I'm not the one who wrote the Bible. Uh, what do you think about handling snakes? Well, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, what's wrong with you, right? Uh, but, you know, what if he thinks we're snake handlers? I could care less, you know. Uh, because uh, it's, you know, really foolish people do those things, right? Because they're not interested in truth. Because in the truth, they'd go somewhere where they taught the truth, right? When I stand up behind the pulpit and say, God doesn't want to prosper you. God wants to put sickness and disease on you. God wants to, you know, uh, and don't be fanatical. Well, that is fanaticism of, of doubt and unbelief, right? There's just as much fanaticism in doubt and unbelief as there is fanaticism in, in foolish things, right? Uh, and so there's a lot of people, you know, that you go, you go talk about the, the prosperity gospel, prosperity message, and there's a lot of fanaticism against that, right? Oh, it ain't so. It's funny, you've got a nice building here. You've got a nice car you're driving. You've got a nice job that you've got. You've got a nice uh, retirement fund. Seems like all that's prosperity, isn't it? Right? Uh, and so, but that's another whole, whole discussion right there. So, uh, but there's more things I want to bring out in, in verse 7 there because it's such a big verse. Um, and and um, uh, we'll have to pick that up uh, next, next Wednesday. But uh, that was a, I mean, for Jesus, it was an easy thing to do. But you think about how big of a thing it was. 
to lay aside actually being God and come down as being limited. Uh, you know, uh, one of the hardest things for people to do, for some people to do, especially if they go all the time, is to ever, ever be ill, right? Ever be sick. Uh, ever, ever be unable to do what they normally do. Uh, and, uh, and they just, they almost can't stand it, right? It's almost like, you know, it's, it, it, they, they, they can hardly contain uh, all the energy that they normally have, you know, that maybe they can't walk or maybe, they, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and it's, you know, hopefully it's just a short-term thing. Uh, but it's really hard for people like that to suddenly go from being the person that they did all these things to being the person that's not doing all these things. Uh, and yet Jesus did that by choice, right? He couldn't just speak to the mountain and have it created. He had to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And he couldn't do it before he was baptized in the River Jordan. So when he was 29 years old, there was no speaking to the mountains. Whoever shall speak to the mountain be the casting in the sea. There was no speaking to the mountains before that. You know, there, there was, uh, of course, he did have faith and he could have done some things by faith, but he couldn't do it with inherent power of the Holy Spirit uh, that we all have now. Uh, and so you, you think about going from being unlimited to being entirely limited. That, the, you just have to meditate on that for a while to think about how big of a change that was for Jesus. And yet he did it, no problem. Be glad to do it. When did we start? Uh, and he did. It came to the earth, right? And so we'll look at uh, uh, verse 7 just a little bit more. Because uh, uh, really, these verses are some of the best verses to understand the deity, uh, the, dual, the dual role that Jesus played as, as being all of God, but being all of man. Uh, and it's some of the best verses to give us that revelation that in, in all of Paul's writings and really the New Testament. Uh, and it's really, it was Paul's revelation of the Lord Jesus as being God that, that we really gained the most insight about in that area. Uh, I think I was mentioning uh, Sunday about how it really seemed like the, like the disciples, although they loved Jesus, you know, they believed in Jesus. It seems to me that they only ever saw him as a, as a very, very powerful, good, but a man, right? A man, not actually God, but just a, a really good prophet, a really good man, you know, one who did miracles, you know. Uh, but by the power of God, not by his own ability. Of course, he said that too, that he didn't do it by his, by his own ability. So uh, I don't know that they ever had the revelation until after the resurrection that he really was God. Uh, and, and through Paul's writings, I know eventually John got it, but uh, I don't know that they had it when they were with Jesus on the earth, amen? Because uh, they sure would have treated him differently if they actually thought he was really God, right? They treated him like a human being many times, Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your blessings. We thank you, Father, for being good to us and speaking to us, Father, being kind towards us. And so, Lord, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you, Father, that you were all God. uh, And yet you chose to lay that aside for our benefit. And, Father, you did that without without concern of the thoughts of men. That uh, who cares what other people thought? And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for the example that you laid, that you laid before us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let this, let this uh, mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, so we need to think like Jesus thinks. Amen. Uh, and, and the only thing that matters to me is what does God think about me, right? What does, and I really believe that. What does God think about me? What people think about me, you know, it just really, it really doesn't matter. But what God thinks about me, you know, that that's what really matters. Amen. If you can get to that point, you know, one person said about Smith Wigglesworth, he said that uh, that he feared God so much that he feared no man. 
uh, and that's a pretty good statement there, right? That, that, and that's really who Smith was, right? He could care less what people thought, you know. Oh, there he goes again, being Smith, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and he raised people from the dead, amen? Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. So don't forget, you know, we've got a few more days. Uh, you know, just uh, pray about it. If the Lord prompts you in your heart to invite certain people to church, you know, invite them to church, you know, it'll be okay. Uh, and, then, and, you know, all we have to do is our part. Uh, the Lord does his part, which is to prompt them to come. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, but it's always a good time to, um, I know any time is a good time, obviously, to witness to people. But sometimes people are on the fence, you know, and, and they all know they can kind of slide in on Easter, you know, kick the tires, see how things are going, you know, and sneak out and never be seen from again if, they, if that's what they want to do, right? Uh, and so, but when they're here, uh, the Spirit of God will be here on Sunday because he's always here, right? And, uh, and so, uh, and my, my faith is because he's here, people will always be blessed if they come here, amen? I can't tell you about all the other churches, but I know he's here uh, and people will be blessed to come, so amen? Uh, so have a good week in the Lord um, and uh, we'll see you bright and early on Sunday, right?